Hello and welcome to Radio. Uh, I'm your host, Ross Drakes, and this podcast is produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa, where we take stories about entrepreneurs and we share it with other entrepreneurs. Today, I am sitting with Lauren Gamsu, who is the founder of Black Sheep Design. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you. Cool to be here. Um, I know you didn't want to do this, but can you give us your <laughs> elevator pitch of what your business is? Sure. Um, so I run a design and build company. So we basically do office fit outs. Uh, we also work with the listed funds. So we look at their sort of C, group B grade buildings and see how we can improve on them. Cool. Yeah. And how did you end up um, in, that, in that business? So I went to UCT and I studied architecture um, and from there I went to go work in London and I did a little bit of work in Dublin and I think I just kind of realized that I wasn't really suited to sitting in an office um, and sitting behind a desktop and I think, you know, just growing up and going to varsity, I dabbled in a couple of entrepreneurial things. Um, so I ran a student student bursary rep website. Um, I did KTV Market Day at one point. Oh, did you? Were you the inventor I was one of, of those. KTV? No, I wasn't the inventor, but I, I actually made these like weird wireframe and paper mache um, little, they were like little containers, and I, I won the prize for the best best product. Oh wow! Um, yeah. So that was pretty cool. So you were famous. You started young. Exactly. And, and you, you, you kicked out fast and hard. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So from there, um, so I worked overseas. I came back and I just realized I wanted to start a business. But I didn't, I didn't quite know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, so one of the things I realized was, you know, as much as I, I've been studying six years and I'd learned a profession and I'd learned how to be an architect, I didn't really know any sort of business skills. I had no, um, I had no idea about sales or, or any of the things that I thought I needed to build a business. So I decided to work as a property broker for two years um, and really get stuck into, you know, understanding how to manage finances, um, learning how to sell, learning how to negotiate, building up a client base. And I just saw an opportunity from there. Um, you know, working there and seeing while I was doing the, the lease transactions, I was also seeing the guys that were doing the actual fit-outs um, and I saw an opportunity and I thought it's something I could do better and I started Black Sheep on the back of that. Oh, wow. So it seems like you've always been quite intentional about where you are and where you're going to next. I think so. You think so? I think so. Although, I, yeah. I mean, one of, the, one of the main reasons you're here is, you know, we were on a phone call a while ago and you told me that you were taking a, a sabbatical from your company. Yes. Um, which is, I think, something that at least I have on my bucket list. So I'm mm. very interested to understand how, how you got the business to a point where you could take a sabbatical, why you took the sabbatical and, and what the experience has been like. Cool. Um, so I think maybe I'll start with... Um, you know, why I decided to, to take the sabbatical. Um, so I've been running the business, it's, it's almost eight years now. And I think in the last sort of, I'd probably say the last year, I just, I started to find that my thinking was becoming quite circular. Um, so I was having some frustrations about the business. Um, 
I wasn't entirely sure what you know what my what my role was meant to be. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to sell, whether I wanted to grow it, um, and I just found myself constantly, um, you know, thinking something and then questioning myself. And you know, I think also eight years in, you know, when you start a business, there's no holidays, there's no sort of time out. It really is intense. Um, so I think from that point of view, it was just I felt like I needed a quite a big breather. I felt like I wanted a little bit of space to think rather than just get stuck into the everyday sort of doing. Um, I've also had a couple of health challenges in the last couple of years. So I was diagnosed with Crohn's. Um, I had a couple of bad flares and I just, I think it was stress related and, and I just realized that something needed to shift. Um, so the, the idea of taking a sabbatical has been on my mind, but I, I probably spent a year thinking about it, but not really doing anything. Um, and at the same time, slowly working my, working my business to a point where I was less and less um, operational. So it was, it was quite deliberate in terms of, um, you know, every sort of month I would sit there with a list of things that I currently do in the business and starting to look at what, what can be delegated, what I needed to do to be able to move myself out of a particular role. Um, and I think the big challenge for me was also letting go of control because I'm quite a perfectionist and I want to make sure that everything's done properly and um, I tend to, to want to micromanage. So a big part of the learning for me, um, especially sort of working with my, my life coach, was how do I kind of, how do I trust my, my team to let go of it, allow them to make mistakes, um, and, you know, and really give them the opportunity to, to, to take on the role. Um, it's an interesting one where you, you know, your definition of right and somebody else's definition of right can be, be different. Completely. And when you have to start delegating or handing over control to people, uh, I think one of the big things I had to get over was accepting that my my perfect and somebody else's perfect are two different perfects, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's right or or wrong. It's just a different approach to the same the same problem. Exactly, exactly. And I had a tendency to, you know, a client would phone me and complain, and my immediate you know instinct was to jump in and try to take ownership and try to resolve the problem. Um, and it took me a while to sort of allow them to take ownership of the issue and, and resolve it by themselves. Um, and yeah, it took a little bit of time to, to get into that habit, um, but that made a huge difference as well. So, so can you tell, tell us a little bit about your role in the business and what people you had to get in to sort of take over or if you did bring, get in people to kind of give, give away all your responsibilities? So I had, a, um, I had an account manager in the business at the time. Um, and over time, I started delegating more and more responsibility to her. We had the conversation around her being the operations manager. Um, you know, we set out what that looked like, where she needed to upskill, what were the areas that she was slightly weak in. Um, and started moving, moving and training her into that role. And, you know, one of the things I realized as well was, you know, as much as I can spend time in the business and sorting things out, um, I felt like I had better leverage by actually spending time with her and getting 
who are upskilled and who are trained to be able to do the stuff that I that I was doing. Um, the other big one to let go of was sales. So I kind of had this view in my head that only I could do sales and only I could do them well. Um, and, you know, that was a big, big step for me in terms of hiring hiring our first salesperson, hiring a second salesperson, um, you know, realizing actually that, you know, if I train them properly, if they understand our systems, if they understand the way we work, um, that they are able to bring in sales. And I, I think it's a little bit of an entrepreneurial trap that you think that you're the only one that can do everything. Yes. Um, and that, that was a big lesson to me. Um, particularly with the sabbatical, being able to go away and actually have projects being signed and have the sales team operate um, was, yeah, that was an enormous step. So, I mean, I only actually really decided it was really, really quick in terms of, um, I think it was October, and I it's sort of been at the back of my mind for a while that it's time to, I feel like I needed a break, I feel like I needed a little bit of a, a breather away um, and at one point I just December was coming up December we have shut down and I just thought you know it's either let me just do it now um, and and yeah so within a month I pretty much the time between decision and actually leaving to go to sabbatical was was about a month so it was really really quick um, and there was a lot to do in that in that time period mm. Yeah. And I mean, how did your clients, how did your clients react to this? You know, was there any reaction, you know, because you, you now are the, obviously the face of the business and you're going on a sabbatical and uh, I think people who haven't necessarily run businesses don't really understand that and, and there might be a, a tendency to freak out or, or did you not see any of that? Um, I think whether it was subconsciously I'd been already handing over a lot of the relationships um, so I wasn't the main I wasn't the only point of contact for any of the clients by that stage so that helped that helped a lot and most people were actually really cool about it um, you know I sort of I made sure that they knew who the person in charge was that they could speak to my operations manager um, and you know I said I'm I am here I'm not disappearing but please phone this person yes. and if you really you know if you're really stuck call me um most people are jealous i think you know it's like a a little bit of a dream to be able to take three months off of work and just do whatever you want to do so is, it, is it amazing how big you well at least i have built these things some like sometimes you build things up in your head and you're like when i told them all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've had two partners in my business that I've bought out over the, the 12 years. And the second time it happened, you know, we had these meetings set up with clients to tell them this big news. And yeah. we had a fallout plan and we were like, yeah, so, so Ben's leaving the company. And they were like, oh, okay. Um, about that project, you know. <laughs> like, you know? Exactly. So they're kind of like, oh, that's fine, but but she's still going to be here. I can still get yeah. everything that I need. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I don't really mind then. Like, let's. Yeah, exactly. I think as long as, you know, they, you know, clients are getting what they need and they've got someone to go to and their their projects are being looked after, you, 
yeah, it was, it was a little bit sobering in one way because I was like, am I not important anymore? Like, why, you know? So you got what you want, but it was a little bit bittersweet when you... <laughs> yeah, it, it was really weird. I mean, I think the, the first two weeks of sabbatical were, were actually quite hard. I had this impression that I'd be like, you know, woohoo, let's go party. But I, you know, I've spent the last eight years completely identifying with black sheep. Like I am the black sheep. It's yeah. even my nickname, Adversity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like, I'm not black sheep anymore. So you know, now what? Like, what am I meant to do? Like, why is no one phoning me? Um, and it's a, it was a weird, it was a really weird situation to be in. Um, and I had this urge to like try and jump back into the business and I had to like hold myself away from the phone to like, you know, pick try up the phone to manage from afar and be like, what's going on? Tell me everything. Um, but, you know, I think, I think once I got over that period and once I started relaxing and you know my stress levels I didn't realize that it, they were like consistently high um, so everything was kind of dropped down a notch um, yeah then then I started getting into it and then I was like please don't phone me um, but I also set up reporting so um, you know I obviously had to the biggest thing was sort of working out what um, you know what decisions they could make autonomously and where I needed to be involved. Um, so we, you know, we put together matrices, um, particularly around finances. This is the parameters within which you can make decisions. Uh, this is where you need one of our external consultants. And then like I was the third layer of, okay, if you really can't do these, you know, if, if there's really something bigger than that. Were those just appended to numbers? So was it like like number brackets or was there other, other factors that you considered in that? It was mostly number brackets. So the criteria, I mean, the big criteria was sort of anything affecting profitability and anything affecting um, relationships. So client relationships and internal relationships. So th we, we sort of used those two as the big criteria. Um, so then the one was obviously financial. So within these brackets, you can make this decision. Within these brackets, you can make this decision, um, obviously trying to allow for a little bit of leeway. And then the same on the client side. So, you know, you can make these decisions for clients, but if there's anything bigger than that, um, then it has to come to me. And it, it, it worked pretty well for the most part. I think I only got maybe two calls um, where I needed to make something quite urgent um, the big thing was handing over the bank account yes. so I've been in control of payments pretty much forever um, so that was quite a big deal in terms of um, managing risk and um, you know passing on passing on the um, the accountability for that not being in control not being as so in you control do you, do you authorize or have you let go Nothing. completely I don't authorize and I don't load. Um, so they've got limits and they've got parameters, but I don't do I don't do either of those things. Oh wow! I monitor. The yeah. big the big thing was reporting. Yeah. Um, and how did you do sure your that reporting? I've got the, um, I actually sat with JP. Um, JP for you. Yes. Okay. Yeah, who was really really helpful in helping me sort of set out what what I needed to do to be able to take the sabbatical. 
and we put together, we called it like a dipstick, like what are the sort of key metrics that I need to know, um, both in terms of a conversation, so I set up a conversation every two weeks, and what is the what does the reporting structure look like? Um, so we we sort of put together a matrix of what are the key, um, you know, what are the what are the sort of key metrics within the business? Um, you know, for for me, it's things like cash flow on each project. Um, what are the pending projects coming up? What is the amount? What is the cost of mistakes that we that are being made? What it, where is our client satisfaction level at? Um, what's happening internally with the staff on a very high level. So how would you measure? I mean, so, so the finance stuff is quite e- like quite yeah, easy yeah. to see. Yeah. How do you measure client satisfaction? So, I mean, this was a, was obviously a little bit difficult to measure because it's subjective. Yes. Um, I, made, I made him give a rating out of 10 for each project. So every project that we're working on currently, they needed to give a client rating. Um, and then what I would do is I would just phone. So I'd set up a, a call every two weeks with the management team, with my operations manager and my finance manager. And then every now and then I would just phone someone random in the company. Just say, hey, you know, what's going on? What's happening? Is everything okay? What's happening with this client? Um, and that was also quite good just to, just to kind of check um, you know, check that the information that I was being given was, was accurate. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I mean, how did you communicate this to the team? You know, so so how do you how do you tell the whole team that you're going on a sabbatical and that I'm just going to phone you every two weeks to <laughs> to see how it's it's all going? How did you handle that discussion? Um, as I said, I think my planning happened on a subconscious level quite a quite a while before I actually went. Mm. So I started spending more and more time out the office. So as I passed on responsibilities, I also just started spending, you know, instead of going straight into the office, I'd spend a couple of hours working from a coffee shop. Um, just so they start getting used to the idea of not me not being there and being available all the time. And, you know, and then when I said something, um, you know, I, I try to frame it in a way like, this is great for the company and I'm going to come back with cool ideas and you guys will be fine. Um, and I had one-on-one meetings with everyone before as well, um, just to say, you know, do you have any concerns? Is there anything you worry about? Is there, um, you know, anything you need? The, the other big thing that I did, which was really, really helpful was, you know, I've built up a support network around me. So I've got business coaches, I've got EO, you know, I've got people I can call on when I need help. Um, and I actually passed my pretty much my whole network onto my management team. Okay. So um, I introduced my ops manager to EO, so she's in the 2IC forum, gave her my business coach, gave her all these people that she can call on. Um, and I think that was really helpful as well. And then, yeah, and I think with the staff, you know, I'm, I'm doing one-on-ones now that I'm back to to gauge how it was and what they thought about it. And they they, they said the first you know, first two weeks were a little bit weird and they felt a little bit lost. Um, but but after that, they they actually saw it as um, quite liberating that they were given the opportunity that I was trusting them with the business. Um, and they were given the opportunity to, to make decisions and take ownership. 
Um, so I think from that point of view, it's worked well. Isn't it amazing when you give when you give people the opportunity, you set up the network or the support for them and the processes, and then you just get out of the way. It's actually amazing how often people do step up and and deliver what you expect them to. Yeah, completely. I've been really pleasantly surprised. Um, I think part of what I what I tried to do before I left was spend more time with individuals and you know take on more of a mentoring and training role. Um, and it was amazing to see how they really took it on and um, you know really rose to the occasion when I when I went away. Um, so I think you know in terms of time value of money, like spending time with people and actually helping them is massive leverage. Mm. And did you do that with everyone in your business or did you do it for, for senior people or do you see mentoring everyone or? Um, it was kind of accidental the way it happened. I didn't really set out to, you know, I'm going to mentor, but it just, it just really happened when, you know, someone seemed to be having an issue with, um, they weren't happy with, for example, how, I'll give my design team as an example, how someone else was um, doing work. I I did a whole training course, a whole training lesson for them on how to delegate, how to delegate effectively and what you need to do. And, um, and the one girl in my team has really taken it on board and really helping the juniors. Um, and she's now started shifting into more of a, head of design role um, which is a role we actually needed and so it was more accidental in terms of people coming to me and you know I was sort of able to give them a little bit of advice and 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 help them in a particular context Um, and and it's one of the things I realized for my sabbatical um, was I think it's an area that I I'm quite good at um, and and now I'm making a quite a deliberate type of thing in terms of who I'm going to mentor within the business and it, it always and how interests me how many EO members end up in some kind of a coaching mentoring mm. role education. It it seems to be like almost a path that many people go down, and coming out of very different industries and different businesses end yeah, up that's kind of in a similar space. Um, I mean, uh, I always remember back to last year's Ignite. Grant Gavin had a really good title for his thing, which was Don't Grow It Alone. Yes. You know, so you yes, learning yes, and growing and improving all the time. And you sometimes forget that, that the people around you might not necessarily be be on the same journey. And I think it can be quite important to connect that back and actually help people go on that journey too. Definitely. I mean, I think, you know, I, I like going overseas a lot and I like going, I went to... EO Barcelona and I went to EO uh, Grow in Dubai, the Harvard Business School, which was really awesome. Um, so I'm getting all of this knowledge and then, you know, it kind of, if I'm not sharing it with my team, um, it kind of stops with me. Yes. And it just seems like a little bit of a, a little bit of a waste. Yeah, it's worth but the money like, that you, well, you're spending on it. Uh, it's like a knowledge holiday. A knowledge holiday, yeah. exactly. Um, we had exactly. training, training. We did advanced forum training the other day with Carlo from from Australia. Yeah. And he did. He told me something that I'm stealing now. At, after every forum, he has an hour and a half session booked with his ops manager and his PA. Mm. And he in forum 
takes notes of things that he can potentially implement into the business. Oh, that's cool. And then he sits with the ops manager and his PA and he goes, cool, these are the things that I've kind of got. What are the ones we're going to implement? You know, like what do we think works, what doesn't? And he says out of every forum, two or three things get implemented implemented into the business. And he's like, you have no idea how exponential by, by tweaking two or three things after every forum, the kind of value... That's very cool. kind of grows over a very, very long time. Um, and he was saying that the one or two times that he's missed it, they actually come track him down. You know, oh, like really? they, they, they're hungry for it. So they're yeah, ready. Yeah. So if he doesn't give it happened. to them, yeah. then they're like, well, where's my list? Like, where's the, where's the things we're going gonna to change? Yeah, that's really cool. Because I think sometimes it gets lost and you just sort of go to forum and, you know, start work the next day and move on. Yes. And see them in isolation. So, so now tell us a, like a little bit about the actual sabbatical. Like, what did you? How did you? Did you just sit in your underpants for three months? <laughs> I don't wear underpants. I'm a girl. Okay. <laughs> um, you didn't even have the comfy home one. <laughs> <laughs> Naked. Naked. Okay. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, so I think so. I, I really planned out the first six weeks, which is very much like me. I had sort of I. You know, I went on. Um, I went to Barcelona on on one of the EO events. Uh, I went to London for a week afterwards to see my brother and sister. I went to Australia for four weeks. Um, so I really jam packed the first six weeks in terms of traveling and doing things and being busy and road tripping and um, you know, really just trying to keep myself busy, I suppose, and. What was really interesting to me was that, I mean, you know, it was awesome to do that and it was really, really cool um, and obviously always good to travel. But was, what was really interesting was the last six weeks when I actually didn't plan anything um, and, and I had this sort of urge to, I'm like, well, I should do a meditation course and I should do this and I should go overseas and I should do this and, um, and I just didn't. Um, and... I kind of feel like that was where the most amount of learning for me came. Is um, I was mainly sort of between Joburg and Cape Town, but I didn't really have any specific strategy about what I was doing. Um, I didn't go and do anything, so I didn't go and do a course or do a meditation course, but I just really did whatever I wanted to do that day. Um, so sometimes I woke up and... I wanted to spend the whole day reading, um, so I did that, or I went to the beach, or I wanted to work on, um, you know, a building that I own, or, um, but just having that choice to be able to wake up and really just do whatever I wanted to do was, you know, it was completely liberating, and it was completely scary, um, you know, there were days when I was like, what am I doing, like, I should be like, <laughs> doing something like I need to be productive like I want to almost like you know I want to like schedule my day like 7 a.m wake up breakfast you know 7 30 brush my hair but I had I had some sort of framework to hold on to um and and I didn't have that um and I kind of feel like that gave me the space for things that I'd almost lost along the way to to pop out um so you know, I used to paint a lot and I became quite serious in the last couple of years and completely focused on 
building a business um, and I just lost that creative side of me and I started painting again and um, and I feel like I started doing things that started freeing up my mind and I also realized when um, you know when I had the space to choose what I wanted to do I didn't just sit on a sit on a beach and do nothing um, but it was quite interesting to see what work I chose to do um, so I so you're almost observing your own behavior completely from afar that's cool yeah so admin was just nowhere like <laughs> anyone that might have emailed me in that time frame will probably know that I, I probably didn't answer um, <laughs> didn't enjoy that well I'm honored we set this recording up during that time so, so obviously I'm one of the few people that managed to get through yeah yeah okay you were you on my uh, callback list. <laughs> um, no, so I, I did that and I did a lot of, um, I did a lot of creative type of things. I did a lot of internal work as well. So um, lots of journaling, spending time with my life coach, um, you know, doing different sort of exercises, did a bit of Tony Robbins as well, as one does. Um and yeah, I mean, three three months was a little bit of an arbitrary time period. So it, there was no real, um, no reason, no real reason. It was like three, six, nine. Yeah, it just felt it felt long enough that it's a sabbatical and not just a holiday. Um, and it was sort of short enough to feel comfortable. Like, okay, I'm not going to be, you know, this is okay. This is doable. Um, and I mean, it's. Three months has gone so quickly. Like you said, you make things out to be this massive thing in your head and then it happens and people carry on with life and the business carries on, thankfully. So um, you're back, you back yeah. in the business now? So this was my first week back. Okay. It's all very new. Okay. Um, I'm back, but I'm, I'm changing my role in the business. So, so one of the things I realized was... Um, you know, being a hundred percent like shareholder, director, um, manager of the business is, I, I sort of confused all those hats. So I didn't realize that they were separate hats and I didn't have to be all three. Yeah. Um, and that was a big, you know, my forum were really awesome in kind of helping me understand that you don't, you know, just because you found a business doesn't mean you have to run it for perpetuity. Um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm changing my role quite significantly so that I'm not running the business on a day-to-day -day basis, but um, sort of helping the rest of the team and really seeing where I can add value from a, um, from a mentoring side and then, you know, strategic director level. And, and I suppose that and gives you that scope to, to explore other, other projects, other companies, other, other businesses. Yeah, yeah. So other things have sort of bubbled up while I was on sabbatical. Um, and a big thing for me was trying not to commit because I sort of made it a one of my, you know, one of my ideas on sabbatical was before I go and now commit and get stuck into the next thing was just having a little bit of time and space to, to think and really think through what I want to do before I jump in and, you know, go and start something else. Um, and... And I feel like I've had that time and I've had that space and 
you know, now the sort of things that I'm excited to do, that I want to do, um, you know, are the things that I'm going to go forward with. And did you find that opportunities found you now that you freed up that mind space, that opportunities started to present themselves to you? Completely. Um, I think I was so petrified of leaving Black Sheep and what does the next stage look like? And, you know, where, what am I going to do? And I was trying to fixate on like exactly what I wanted to do and am I going to do this and am I going to do that? And, um, and as soon as I freed up that space and I, I rather sort of looked at the, like what was the framework, what was the parameters? So, you know, these are the things that I value. These are the things I want from my next venture. I don't know exactly what it looks like, but this is the framework. This is the life that I want. This is where I feel I'll be best suited. Um, exactly as you said, like things just started cropping up and, um, and I think one of the big things that I, I sort of took from my sabbatical was the idea of synchronicity, that, you know, when things are in alignment, they just work. Um, you know, when, they, when the timing's wrong and it's, you know, you can't make something work, it's, maybe it's just not meant to be at that time. Yeah. Um, and I mean, did all of that, those kind of frameworks and all that stuff, did they come out of the sabbatical? Did they, is that the, the, the kind of things that bubbled out during that time? Yeah, very much so. So a lot of it was, you know, I've probably done, I've done quite a lot of personal work over the, over the last year. Um, I've had a life coach that's been guiding me and um, doing lots of reading and watching TED Talks. Um, but it was, it was really only during the sabbatical when I had, when I just had space and I could think you know, I could start thinking a little bit differently, um, that it really surfaced for me, um, you know, what what I valued. And, and I think a big thing is also getting out of the what's expected of me and what I should do. And um, Because I almost felt like I was so caught up in that, that I, I should do this and I should build a big business and I should carry on. And uh, there were so many shoulds and... Um, expectations that I'd put on myself um, that that I was getting a little bit a little bit confused mm. um, and taking those away really gave the space to to start looking at what I wanted to do um, whether it met those expectations or not kind of cut all that noise out yeah so so do you think Completely. this is your last um, sabbatical or do you think you're going to go on sabbatical more regularly um I think I'm definitely going to go on sabbatical more regularly. <laughs> <laughs> I think it should be like a standard every, I don't know, two, three years. You take a sabbatical. You know, take a sabbatical three months off. Um, but at the moment, I, I'm excited. I feel like it was a good amount of time for me to, to have a break, relax. Um, but also, it, it was nice to reach a place of boredom. Like I don't think I've been bored for... Not as far as I can remember. So to to actually reach a space where I'm like, well, I actually want to get stuck into something, and I want to work, and I want to um, do projects that really excite me. Was yeah, it was a cool place to be in. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll probably be on sabbatical 
at some point <laughs> fairly soon. There's a designer named Stefan Sagmeister who takes one year out of every seven off. Yeah. Um, and it was very interesting in his book I was reading, he was said that the the work that he does in his year off defines the next seven years of his career. So wow. it's almost like every seven years he has an opportunity to to course correct yeah, and yeah. change. Because I think what's what's right for you now, leaving your sabbatical potentially doesn't fit you in three, four, five years' time. You know, it, it did it was the path you you were you needed to walk down for that period of time, but it doesn't necessarily exactly fit you anymore. Exactly. I mean, what really stood out for me in, in your interview is this idea of how how much I live in this world of I've started this business and I've been running this business, and how often do you actually take a step back and be like, you know, like is this what I want to do? Is the you know like do you ever like stop and question it? And if mm. you, if the answer is yes, you can jump straight back in quite quite happily. But uh, I think it is an interesting interesting thought to to see. I think it's scary for people. It's scary to you know you spend so long building something to ask yourself, you know, is this still right for me? Is it still something I want? Is it do I need to change? Um, it's much easier to just carry on doing it's much yes. easier to go through your to-do list and you know tick things off and color in the boxes and um and carry on to the next day it's much harder to take a step back and reflect and, and really reflect without without the noise now how did you how did you do all of this did you force your husband to take a sabbatical or were you just on holiday for three months while he slaved away yeah, husbands are an interesting thing when you take sabbaticals. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of the conversation before I went on sabbatical was with my husband in terms of, you know, what does this mean for our relationship? You know, am I going to be going off traveling for three months slash indefinitely? Um, you know, he mentioned, am I going to meet some, like, really hot yoga instructor <laughs> and run away with him? Um, and yeah, that was a, that was, that was a big discussion that had to be had. So we, we sort of found a little bit of compromise. Um, so we went to Australia together for four weeks. So he took six weeks off. Okay. So he took six weeks. I took three months. Um, I did travel on my own. So I did travel with friends, but I, I tried to limit it to two weeks at a time. Um, and, and it seemed to work. It seemed to work well, but it, it was definitely a tension. I mean, it's, you know, I can't, you know, at one point sitting in Joburg, I definitely wanted to, you know, book a ticket to, I don't know, Mexico and hang out there for yes. for six weeks. Um, but I suppose like, like marriage in general, you have to compromise somewhere. Um, and I think he's started to see the value. Um, I had to stop him from making me do things. Uh, so he wanted to fall all the time. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was an interesting thing as well, is when you tell people you're on sabbatical, you know, sometimes it's like an invitation. Oh, awesome. You're not doing anything. Can you just help me with this? Or, you know, cool, now you can do this. Um, so you have to be, well, I had to be quite strong about... Fighting back. Yeah, fighting back and just being like, you know, cool, this is my time. I'm going to do what I need to do. Thank you for your project, but no. That's interesting. 
So, yeah. so I mean, just to just to wrap up, if anybody is listening and and is thinking about doing their own sabbatical, what are the what are the things that you you didn't see coming that you would have liked to have? You know, like are there any tips or tricks or or, or lessons that they can steal to to make their sabbatical a little bit smoother? I think planning is really key. So you know, as much as I I subconsciously planned for six weeks. I only had a, I mean, for, for a couple of months before, um, as I said, the time between decision and actually going was only a month. So there was definitely instances in the first week where it was like banking didn't work and, you know, just little, there were like little bits and pieces um, that I probably spent the first week to 10 days trying to iron out. Um, so I would almost do a bit of a, I think I would do a little bit more of a trial run. So maybe spend the first month before already handed over, already setting up the reporting, already, you know, just doing a little bit of stress testing how how this is going to work so that by the time I actually went, um, I could have a little bit of, you know, I could take that break without wiring. And I think that was quite key. I also think... For me, it was really important not to over-plan the sabbatical either. So, um, you know, I think especially as entrepreneurs, we have this tendency to achieve and overachieve, and we want to, like, tick off, and I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Um, and as I mentioned, for me, the value was really in not over-planning, in giving myself space and, and sort of seeing what interests me and seeing what came up and, um, you know, reading different books um my life coach was also quite crucial so i think that was she's really awesome and she kind of you know helped me understand what was going through my mind um, and gave me quite a lot of insight into what was happening during this period so i feel like that was a big part of it and i think also you know as you said once you make the decision to do it it's it's not actually that big a deal um, I think if you, you know, when I, I set things up enough that they weren't perfect, but they were good enough, um, and three months is really quick. Um, it's, you know, it's it wasn't as big of a decision in hindsight as it felt like at the time. Yes, three months in, a, in the history of an eight-year-old business Yeah, is, is quite quite short. In a way, I almost think I shortchanged myself. Oh, I do you think you should have gone like for six, six months. months. <laughs> <laughs> but surely There's it's all set time. up now. You can just bail. You can have this as one week back at work and then... Uh, well, now I'm it. plugging the gaps. Okay. And then I'll take the six months. Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, that was that was very enlightening. Cool. And Pleasure. I feel like I should go on a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> do it. Can you scale Not your sure if you business? can do it with a kid. Can you scale your business and do a sabbatical at the same time? I actually think you can. Okay. I actually think you can. Um, you know, what was, you know, just one thing that was really interesting to me was it became so glaringly obvious where the gaps in the company were that I couldn't see before. I just didn't have the that insight. Um, but I think especially if your business is a couple of years old and, um you know, you you set in a certain way and you're looking to change things up. For me, it was, 
it was really eye-opening to be able to take a step back and then have a little bit more of a bird's eye view so I could really see where, you know, operationally, where are the gaps happening, um, strategically by seeing different things. And, um, you know, I got, I got a lot more ideas than I would have had by just being in it and carrying on plugging away. So I think it's probably crucial. Great. Well, thank you so, so very much. Cool. You've been listening to our podcast, which is called Radio. Um, I'm one of the hosts, Ross Drakes, and the other one is Rich Mulholland, who's probably somewhere in South America speaking to a crowd. So wherever you are, Rich, we miss you. Um, thank you so much to the sponsors of EO South Africa, Bidvest McCarthy, Bidvest Car Hire, Executive, and 10XE. You are all very, very amazing people that allow us to take sabbaticals. So thank you very much. Um, if you know someone in a business who, who should hear this podcast, um, I, I urge you to share it with them. We'd love to, to hear your thoughts. Um, and if you are looking for some of these learnings, you can go to eonetwork.org to find out more. Thank you very much, Lauren. Thanks, Ross. And goodbye.